Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season five, episode six. Coming to you today from Colorado Springs, Colorado, the birthplace of Goose Gossage, Hall of Fame <laughs> relief pitcher. I'm sorry, what? Goose <laughs> Gossage. But Goose will never come to the National Office of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. You know why? No, I don't, Terry. Because we have fake coyotes in the front yard to keep geese away. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Come. Wow. He has one of the best mustaches in baseball history, just to be clear. He does. He does. I'm Terry, church ministry's Caitlin's leader like, for the Alliance. What is going on here? Yeah, I, you lost me completely, but I'm, I'm here. I, I support all of it. Thank you. <laughs> You're awesome, Caitlin. Yeah. There you go. Uh, once again, I'm Terry, church ministry's leader for the Alliance. <laughs> and I'm Alan, the multiplication director in Eastern PA, and only got that intro because I am a pretty serious baseball fan, or else I would have been lost like Caitlin. And Caitlin, uh, Caitlin is with us and dumbfounded. Alan's trying to make me feel better, um, and it's it's not working. Can't we well, talk about like boy bands or like Britney Spears? Oh, yeah. Terry, oh, yeah. well, I think it'd That's be better. If we just, I think it'd be better if we just kept us moving in one direction. And oh, right oh, Alan, you're my favorite. Sorry, uh-huh. Terry. <laughs> People could hear me rolling my eyes now. <laughs> Well, All hey. Right. Well, let's get in sync and move forward, okay? Yes, yes, in sync. Oh, my. My, my, my. Any more before we go on, Alan? No, I, it's getting heated up, so I don't want to get hotter than 98 degrees. So oh, my God. Oh, my. Uh, uh, this one takes the cake. So, we have a great topic today. We're going to talk about uh, Native American population and ministry in the U.S. with Craig Smith. A good friend of mine, he's former district superintendent of uh, what used to be the Native American District, now Native American Association, founder and director of Tribal Rescue uh, Ministries, board of directors member for the Alliance, longtime itinerant evangelist in the Alliance. So Craig is Native American and speaks with an authoritative voice on behalf of his people. So grab yourself a PIB extra. I asked somebody the other day, what is the extra? And he didn't know the answer, even though he was drinking one. But grab yourself a PIB extra. Sit back, relax. Here we go. Hey, Equipping You friends, it's Caitlin here. And I want to tell you about something super special that we have launched here at Equipping You that's just for you. And we think you're really going to love it. If you're an avid Equipping You listener, an Equipping You live attender, or both, you need to join our Facebook group called Equipping You Community. We love that on the podcast and at Equipping You Live, we get to empower you in your ministries. But we believe that for you to really see the true transformation of your leadership that you want, applying what you learn in community is key. So pause this episode right now and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash equipping you community 
or you can go to equippingyou.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and click on Equipping You Community. We can't wait to see you there. It's our pleasure to welcome to Equipping You Podcast, my good friend, Craig Smith. Craig, great to have you with us, and thanks for taking the time to do this today. Thank you, Terry. Hey, we're uh, happy to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity to share from uh, a part of the uh, Alliance family that sometimes doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of airtime, so uh, we're grateful for that. We're happy to give you the airtime, and while Craig and I share a last name, we are only brothers in Christ. That's right. Uh, so uh, not related in any other way that we know of. Well, uh, maybe you don't know this, Terry, but I've done some research on you, and uh, I come to find out that uh, you are a Native American. You didn't know that, but uh, you are a Native American. Uh, the okay. only problem is uh, you've been sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happens when a white man gets sick? You know, they get they turn whiter. So anyway, that's my that's my only joke today. So I'll leave okay. it. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so uh, uh, I doubt seriously that that's going to be your only joke today. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll see. And. Uh, they try to keep me from telling jokes on the podcast. They try really I, hard. I I'm simply sure. do not listen. So. <laughs> yeah. It does not. So, Craig, tell us about your spiritual journey a bit, how you came yeah. to faith in Christ, and include in that a couple of leaders who influenced you either in your teen years or early in your oh, ministry. Sure. We'd love sure. to hear it. Well, uh, I think to understand the full context, uh, I have to go back to my grandparents who actually were uh, some of the very first Ojibwe Indians to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They were led to the Lord through Christian and Missionary Alliance missionaries that came to our reservation in northern Minnesota many years ago. My grandparents mm. met at a government boarding school where uh, a lot of sad and uh, horrible things happened mm. at the hands of the, the teachers and staff. Mm. And, uh, it was a forced assimilation, beaten for speaking their native languages. That's all they knew, some of them, when they got there. So they came away from their broken. But the gospel penetrated my grandmother first and then my grandfather, and that set the stage now in our family for five generations praise of one Native American family walking with Jesus. And uh, praise I praise God for that. I'm the third generation. I came to Christ when I was 13 years old in an old StarCraft tent camper, you know, the kind where they, uh, the sides go out and the yep, top yep. comes up and the canvas sides. And We were at a Native American uh, uh, camp, a Bible camp, uh, on the shores of uh, the Assiniboine River near Winnipeg, Manitoba. Mm. And uh, the evangelist there that night was a brother named Tom Claus. Many people know Tom and his ministry over the years uh, with Promise Keepers and many of the others. He's been a great mentor for me. He's one of the mentors, in fact. Yeah. Uh, you want to know who's influenced my life. Uh, that brother was uh, very influential. But he preached that night on Amazing Grace, and I came to faith in Christ in that yeah. StarCraft camper yeah. when I knelt and confessed my sin and trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. So I thank God for that. And uh, ever since then, uh, he's been uh, using using me, using us, and our ministry to bring the gospel to other Native Americans and whoever will listen, wherever the doors open. So uh, I, I tell you two other influences in my life. Number one is my father, Ray Smith, uh, mm. Ojibwe, second generation believer. He raised our family uh, in uh, in a Christian home and an Alliance church. And uh, we, we, we grew as a family and, and dad had a music ministry. My grandparents had a music ministry way back to the 40s, they would sing the gospel in the Ojibwe language among many of the different wow. wild rice camps, hunting camps, fishing camps of our people. Yeah. They'd share the gospel that way. And my dad went on to St. Paul Bible College, Crown College now, 
Uh, he was a featured soloist for the Choral Club for uh, during their heyday under Dr. Tannehill back in the early 50s, where they ministered in one year over to 100,000 people wow. in, their, uh, in their big uh, extravaganza promotions. And Dad was a featured soloist in his Indian regalia and singing... Uh, uh, singing great songs of faith and patriotic songs. So we got, we have a long history of ministry in our family. He raised us in a music ministry. We've been on the road uh, with our music ever since. Uh, and we continue, my wife, LaDonna, and I continue our music along with the preaching ministry the Lord has given us. So it's a wonderful heritage. And, uh, and I'd also add to that list my father-in-law, Herman Williams. All three of these men are home with Jesus now, but they laid a foundation mm of faith and and tenacity for Christ that has kept me going for now over five uh, five decades of, of following him. So I give God thanks for that. And yep. uh, that's a great foundation. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned wild rice, and I will say that I've eaten <laughs> your wild rice oh, that yeah. you cooked, and that is some good stuff. I could, uh, I could go for a good helping right now. Well, uh, <laughs> oh, I could too, so uh, maybe I'll have to FedEx you something. There you go. There you go. <laughs> see. Hope it'll stay warm. <laughs> Hope so too. Oh, my. Uh, so tell us more, Craig, about your tribal connection, and then maybe kind, yeah. of, kind of brought out <clears throat> to a bigger – picture of the native population uh, sure. in the United States at this time? Right. Well, I am an enrolled member of the White Earth Band of Ojibwe uh, Indians. Uh, that's in the northwestern part of Minnesota. There's seven reservations that make up the Minnesota Chippewa tribe. We also known as Chippewa Indians. Uh, and uh, I was enrolled in one of those seven. And uh, But I grew up on the Leech Lake Reservation, which is in north central Minnesota. Beautiful country. And uh, that's where our Ojibwe people are. But we are one of 574 federally recognized tribes wow. in the United States. So uh, it's, uh, you know, that a lot of people don't understand there are many native tribes, many native nations. Each one has its own culture, many uh, differing languages. Some of the groupings are shared, shared languages, but uh, among some of us say Dakota, Lakota, uh, Nakota people, those are what we would call the Sioux Indians, and they have a shared language, but each one of those are recognized tribes. And uh, it's, it's a, and the, the interesting thing about it is we are different from other minority groups in America in that we are literally viewed by the United States government as, and recognized as sovereign nations within the borders of the United States. If you saw me driving on the highway, you'd see my, my van uh, uh, with tribal license plates on it. And maybe you see, uh, your viewers see that, you know, off and on throughout uh, as they're on the road. Why You don't see any African-American tribal plates or, or Hispanic-American or Asian-American. You see tribal plates. And that's because we are governments. We have each tribe has a governmental structure with courts and laws and all of that. So we we're recognized uh, as a distinct sovereign nation. The United States government does not sign treaties with ethnic groups. They sign treaties between government to government. And so that's an interesting perspective when you consider Native America right here in our own land. They, uh, over the years, the, um, the United States government established a reservation system. We now have uh, uh, presently about 326 I remember right, 326 reservations across America. Uh, we have, uh, I would say, about 6.8 million is the last her I heard of almost 7 million Native Americans in these 574 tribes, 326 reservations. 
And the interesting thing is only about 22% of, of the Native American population lives on the reservations. Hmm. Uh, 78% are off the reservations, mostly urban, but spread out in suburbia and rural areas. And the interesting statistic, I think, when you look at the whole country, we are found, Native Americans are found in every state of the union. We are in half of all U.S. counties. And as it relates to us in the Christian Missionary Alliance, we are within every one of the, what is it, 28 geographic districts in the Christian Missionary Alliance. And, uh, you know, it is the responsibility of the districts to uh, work together with us in Native American Association to reach Native Americans with the gospel. And, and uh, we're praying for better days uh, that, that this will, the light will come on within the Alliance because it's important. Our Native people are uh, a people that are yet really to be fully reached with the gospel. We only have about 5% of Native America after 500 years of the gospel, only wow. about 5%. Uh, no Christ. And so that's a big challenge. Yeah. Speaking of challenges, tell us, uh, Craig, if you would, about some of the life challenges that Native Americans face here yeah. in the United States, uh, education, jobs, racism, what, yeah. whatever it may be. Well, uh, as as it relates to uh, to education, well, I think I guess you could call us similar to the dominant culture or any other subculture in America. We, we have many within our culture uh, that uh, possess little education at all, uh, but then we have some all the way up to those with their master's, doctorate, uh, PhD degrees, and everything in between. Uh, yeah. Native people today, I believe, understand that um, in order to get good-paying jobs, higher education degrees are important. Many of our tribes have now established tribal colleges. In fact, on my Leech Reservation, Leech Lake Reservation, not far from uh, our, our little place there, uh, is, uh, is the Leech Lake Tribal College. And my, my uh, cousin is one of the professors there. So wow. uh, it's, uh, education has become an important part. But uh, many, many still lack, uh, you know, the formal education. There's a, there's a different cultural view, too, in that that comes into play. Uh, in the in the dominant culture, Western culture values knowledge. With that, the attainment of degrees and so on. Where Native America, we value wisdom, and that's mm. demonstrated in the value of the elders. In modern American society, when a pe- people reach a certain age, uh, o- older age, you kind of put on the shelf, you retire, you get out of the way, so the younger ones can come. But in Native America, in fact, I'm one of the recognized tribal elders. I finally reached. Uh, reached that stage, same point in time when I could order off the senior menu at, at Denny's, <laughs> I, I was <laughs> recognized as as a tribal elder. Yeah. And that is when you are at your peak in Native American culture. Mm-hmm. That's when you're valued. That's when the wisdom of experience in life come into play. And so it's just different cultural views, and uh, it, it is reflected in, in our education. Uh, also, I think it's important to mention regarding jobs. Unemployment is really rampant on many of our reservations. Some of the reservations, unfortunately, have unemployment rates 80 to 90 percent. Wow. We were given kind of the uh, leftover land, the unproductive land. And, 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 and so on those reservations, uh, a lot of the people, uh, jobs just don't come by unless you're working for the tribe under some government program or so on. Oftentimes, uh, jobs are hard to come by. Uh, entrepreneurship has not really happened in many of our uh, communities, and oftentimes, uh, in 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 Native American homes, you have multi generations living under one roof, and often the heads of those households are forced to leave the reservation if they're looking for jobs, and uh, the extended 
families all under one roof are, are left to care for all those left behind. Mm. Housing, I mentioned, uh, it's estimated right now there's about 90,000 homeless or underhoused family groups wow. uh, in Native American communities. 30% of our homes are overcrowded and uh, lack basic water and sewer services, uh, what is commonly accepted across the country. And uh, the the struggle of that and the difficulty of that has contributed to what some have heard in the news now of the pandemic hitting the Navajo Nation so hard. And their big challenge there is lack of basic water. They don't have running water in, in many of their homes, uh, isolated communities. Hmm. Our life expectancy, uh, another issue is uh, we're about 5% or five years less than the rest of America. And uh, there's an underfunded healthcare system. That means uh, oftentimes the Indian Health Service, what they provide, it's often crisis-driven rather than preventative in nature. So it's um, we do have our definitely have our challenges in, in Native America. That's part of, as you mentioned in the title, the plight. There, yeah, there is a plight. Uh, and, and yet there is... Uh, uh, there's, we want to talk to, I know in our, our visit here about potential too, because there's great potential in Native America we want to talk about. But uh, Terry, you're, you're aware in a recent uh, open letter I wrote to our board uh, addressing the two dual challenges in America, you know, COVID-19 and then the aftermath of the George Floyd incident, the racial justice issues that led to all the rioting and violence that we still experience in our land. I shared in that letter what could be described as some inconvenient truths about Native America, and that is this. To the viewers, I ask you, do you, do you know today that of these two major crises in our lands, Native America tops the list in both of those challenges? We come in, according to a CNN report, Native America tops the list of law enforcement's use of deadly force. It's, we're higher than even in the black community. And when it comes to COVID-19, when New York City and New York State were being announced as the highest hit areas, the Navajo Nation actually was number one. It exceeded those areas wow. as hard as hit by COVID. And it's wow. still fighting that battle in a huge way. Like we said, multi-generational <laughs> homes without basic needs. It, ha it affected our family. My wife is Navajo, LaDonna. Her brother Zane, who's the president of our Native Alliance Association. They're cousins. We had two cousins battle this one one died not 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 very old but but she died from covid and her i mean uh, her her brother her brother died and then she uh made it through but is in a long recovery uh so we know personally the effect of of death by covid mm. uh, it has hit our family uh very hard and My uh, to give you this ex uh, just the statistic at its height New York State had an infection rate of 1.9% of its population. And they were all over the news as the number one place. At the same time that was going on in the Navajo Nation, the rate was 3.4% of its population. Wow. So, but the problem is this. We're off the radar screen in America's conscience. You know, when you hear the nightly news, you hear about the African-American, the Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans occasionally. And I keep bending my ear to hear, what about Native America? We're not even, we're not even included in the, in the consciousness of America. So we're uh, so many times and too often off the, off the radar screen. My question is to our Alliance family, are we off the radar screen within our Alliance uh, movement? We are a very small ministry, part of the Alliance, but the need is so great. So that's my heart cry today for our Alliance family. 
We're America's invisible people. Even America's newest minority group, the LGBTQ community, gets more recognition than America's first people. It's 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 pretty amazing and pretty astounding to those of us who have a native, who are Native American, and and know that we we aren't even given a thought in in America today, and uh, that's that's sad. And it also contributes, I believe, to the continued challenges that we face. I appreciate you sharing your heart, man. It's obvious that it's passionate for you. I definitely know that I have not heard hide nor hair about COVID and Native Americans and anything that I have read or watched. Uh, And that is heartbreaking to hear that it's almost double of New York, and yet Mm. we don't hear about it. It, 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 it leaves folks like us with uh, ministers of the gospel working among our people and struggling with the, that challenge and, and the burden to be like Jeremiah, where he talked about, he cried, he, he, he shared his heart. He says, I weep day and light, night for the slain of my people. And that's, that's the burden we carry. Yeah, we continue yeah. to carry. Yeah. And oftentimes we carry it alone. Well, and I know what drives you is, you know, you want your people to know Jesus. Um, what, and uh, you mentioned earlier, it's only 5% yeah. uh, of Native Americans know Christ. What's the biggest barrier standing in the way of that at this point, And what are our hopes for responsiveness? Well, Alan, I think one of the biggest, uh, biggest challenges is, um, well, let me go back. I, I, I echo I echo what, what Paul said to the Romans in the 10th chapter. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for my people is that they would be saved. Because mm-hmm. I bear them record they have a zeal for God, but that zeal is not based according to knowledge. We know what, we know what the knowledge is. In the West culture, I mentioned wisdom, or knowledge is what is supreme. In the Native culture, wisdom is what is supreme. And, and those two realities, I think, are uh, contribute to the to the difficulties between the two cultures. While the West, while the American church has the knowledge of the gospel, what has been lacking over the history 500 years of the gospel here has been the wisdom in knowing how to present the gospel in the Native American context. And our people, we have wisdom, but we what we lack is knowledge. And, and uh, we are still caught in the, in the animism that has been a part of our our cultures and tribes for for years. In fact, it's so interwoven. Uh, we don't compartmentalize spirituality in Native America. Our culture is our spirituality, and our spirituality is our culture. Mm-hmm. You can't really separate those two. So when you talk about preserving culture, automatically with that is a preserving of of traditional religions, animistic practices. Overt animism permeates our culture in in Native America today. And we're living in a shadow of a dominant culture that doesn't even believe in the existence of the supernatural. <laughs> I think it's a, a shorter jump for Native people to come to faith in Christ than it is for modern America, because yeah. modern America has no spiritual foundation at all. For a, a, a Western person to come to faith in Christ, it takes a larger leap, because you're now beginning to embrace a spiritual basis for everything about life. Native America already has that. So I that's part of the underlying potential, I believe, in reaching Native Americans with the gospel of Christ, because when they come to faith in Christ, they understand darkness. They understand how dark the spirit world is, because we live in it. It's fear-based, overt spiritual manifestations. Manifestations are the norm rather than the exception. Let me give you one quick example. 
uh, we were passing uh, on our way to, uh, uh, cross country just last week. We were given something uh, in one of the tribes there with, with people we know, uh, given something that just is a very benign thing. Our people uh, in this particular tribe uses tobacco as part of their, the smoke from the tobacco is the uh, prayers. It carries the prayers to the spirit world and so on. And as we left that reservation community and we were on our way home, as we were traveling down the interstate highway, our van became just incredibly overpowered with, with smoke from tobacco. I mean, you could, it, it almost, it almost, <laughs> you could almost hardly breathe. And we had to stop and pray against that. And we had to get rid of that thing. And, and that's the, that's the ongoing world that we live in, in Native America. It mm -hmm. permeates culture. And we as believers always have to be careful. We've learned these lessons all along. But a lot of times, sometimes you're giving something you may think is benign, but all of a sudden you bring it into your home like Deuteronomy uh, 7 talks about. Don't bring these things into your home mm -hmm. lest you be ensnared by it. Uh, you're finding yourself living in uh, in uh, with with attacks of the enemy that come your way. So that's a part of our ongoing uh, challenge in Native America. One of the biggest challenges today, though, that we face is is a movement that has been emerging in the last say 20 years, and it's a syncretistic movement where it it comes in the in the guise of contextualization of the gospel. But it, it, it's mask, uh, syncretism masking as critical contextualization of the gospel. It's had its heyday in about the last 20, 25 years. Uh, many uh, evangelical native leaders have stood against it, but it still has made its way into academia and native churches that have not been uh, biblically uh, taught in how to stand against these things. And so uh, we are now battling a new front of, of syncretism. We've developed some materials, which I think we'll probably talk about it in a little bit, but uh, to help equip Native believers on how to live a biblically healthy life in the context of an animistic culture. And uh, you know what? Animism isn't just in Native America. It's in modern America as well. Mm -hmm. There is such a, a, a subtle animism that permeates the Western culture, the culture that doesn't even believe in supernatural. So when, when uh, issues like uh, abortion come along, and it's described and defined in the government uh, battles of, of power as, as choice. What a Native American believer looks and sees is nothing but Old Testament paganism uh, raising its ugly head as, as the fires of Moloch and Chemosh are uh, uh, lit up once again. And uh, we're sacrificing our, our babies into these, into these pagan gods. That's what's happening in modern America. So the syncretism, or I mean the... Uh, Animism, the spiritism, paganism is not just restricted to indigenous people. It permeates modern American culture. The thing with modern American culture, they don't even recognize that these things are spiritual in nature more than just cultural discussions. So anyway, that's, uh, we unpackaged that in some of the books we've written. And, uh, you know, that, uh, but that's, that's kind of, that, that gives you an overview of the big challenges we face in Native American ministry. Thanks, Craig. So, uh, and we'll include your books and such resources in our show notes. Okay. Uh, and I want to talk for a minute about your book, White Man's Gospel, that I read yeah. recently. Excellent, um, helpful book. So in that book, you compare Native people to the Old Testament Israelites. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could unpack that for us in terms of similar characteristic 
characteristics and what doors this might open for sure. the ministry of Native believers? Well, well, the intent of, of the book, uh, this is the first book I ever wrote. This is, this is it, White Man's Gospel. Yep. And uh, it addresses two, the, two audiences, basically. First is our Native people, because many Native people reject the gospel outright without even giving it a, a, a consideration by defining it as the white man's gospel. It's the white man's God. We have our traditional religions. We have our native ways. God-given ways, they will say, that, uh, the, that the creator of heaven and earth has given to us. So uh, it's, that's a big barrier to overcome. But then also it's written to the church because the church oftentimes has come across as, uh, in its, in its uh, methodologies, promoting that it is a white man's, white man's gospel. So there was, those were the two audiences. But when it comes to um, Native American Israel, the idea was I, I had to, what I tried to do is connect Jesus Christ in his humanity to Native America, that he is more closely aligned to Native cultures than he is modern Western culture and uh, European culture. In fact, Jesus wasn't a white man. He, was, he wasn't a Norwegian. He wasn't a German. He was a Mediterranean, Middle East, probably darker-skinned uh, a Jewish, a Jewish person in his humanity. Well, what about Israel? Well, the Word of God tells us a number of things about Israel and the, the culture in which God the Father sent Christ the Son to live in, as he walked on planet Earth. He had to live in some culture, and the culture he God chose was the children of Israel. You know what? My Bible tells me in Deuteronomy 7 and 7 that God didn't set his love on Israel or choose them because they were the biggest, but no, they were the fewest. They were the smallest. Jesus was born in a minority group. Not only was he born into a minority group, he was born into the least of the minority groups. He was at the, their people were at the bottom of the barrel. When you look at Native American culture today and the, and the uh, percentages of, of races in America and where they all play, the white man is the dominant, but he's, that's changing fast. Hispanic America is, is soon to be surpassing uh, the Anglo culture as the dominant culture in America. Well, you go down the line and guess who's at the bottom of the barrel? We are. Jesus was born into a humanity, in his humanity, a people group just like us. Not only were they a minority, they were a tribal group. There were 12 tribes of Israel, right? So we have 574 tribes. Jesus was part of a tribal culture. He was a tribal person. And as it, as it relates to their religion, they were religiously a very ceremonial people, just like Native American cultures. Now, the difference being Israel's religious ceremonies were God-given, but all other religious ceremonial practices have been birthed out of fallen human nature. Hmm. And in another book I wrote, my latest book, Indigenous Faith, which is a follow-up to White Man's Gospel, I, I talk. One of the things I talk about is a fallacy of, of, of all human cultures being given their own cultural expressions of God other than Israel. As an example, how can you hold that position if you have the Word of God telling you loudly and clearly of what it says in Psalm 147, 19, and 20? God has revealed His Word to Jacob, His laws and decrees to Israel, but He has done this for no other nation. They do not know His laws. So what happens when the Word of God is put up against teaching that is contrary to the scriptures. We have to follow the word. And, uh, and so when I talk to our people, we have to tell them there's only one way. There's no other way. That, that sage, that, that tobacco smoke does not carry your, is not the mediate, uh, mediatory device. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We have to clearly articulate who Christ is to our people. But I'll tell you what, 
uh, he relates to us as native people in so many more ways than he would any dominant uh, culture. Uh, our current issue of social justice, uh, it, it's very true that Jesus suffered horrendous injustice in the court system of his day, which is so similar to many of our tribal people's experiences today. They don't get uh, a just uh, a just say in the in the court systems, unfortunately. And the last thing I can tell you is Jesus Christ died a violent death. And guess what? So many of our people do too. It's estimated in modern culture, 80% can expect to live long, healthy lives. 20% die unexpected, usually tragic, violent death. In Native American culture, that statistic is just reversed, according to a book written by a brother mm. named Art Holmes, The wow. Grieving Indian. 80% of our Native American population die before, they, before a life expectancy, uh, and oftentimes it's tragic, uh, uh, violent, uh, whether, it's, whether it's through uh, fighting, uh, shootings, uh, accidents, on, so on. And so, yeah, that uh, in his humanity, Christ relates to Native American culture and indigenous cultures, by the way, around the world, so much more closely than he does the culture that brought the gospel here to America. Yeah. And that has that has to be taken into consideration as we think about how are we going to reach Native America with the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Craig, these are all very helpful observations. We're just getting into the conversation here today. So I've made an executive decision that we're actually going to divide this into two episodes. First time we've ever done that. So we're going to close out uh, this episode right now and come right back and record the second episode. But, man, you're giving us great insights into the life <laughs> and culture of your people, Thank and, you. and we really, we really appreciate it. Well, that's yeah. what happens when you invite a long-winded preacher. To <laughs> no, you're giving us good stuff, my friend. Also, so, happens uh, when you have two people that don't know a lot and need to learn more. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, so, thanks, listeners, and uh, we're going to cut episode six A at this moment, and we'll be back on episode six B to talk more with uh, Craig Smith. Yeah.